Good day, everybody, and welcome back to the Investigating Ikiga podcast with myself, Joe Taylor. On this podcast, we aim to interview inspirational people from all walks of life to hear about what makes them tick, what makes them get up in the morning to do and accomplish the things that they uh, accomplish. Today, we have a very exciting guest who is well known to many people. His name is Brent Lindeku. He is proudly South African and he is more well known perhaps as the good things guy. Brent has achieved some incredible things in his short time on this earth so far. He has been named as the top 200 young South Africans in that group. He has also been named in the top 100 influential South Africans. He won South Africa's blog of the year. He is a writer, a radio host, and a keynote speaker. He is perhaps best known for his social media presence and the positive outlook that he presents on life and the the optimism and the positivity that he represents to the world and inspires many others to follow along. His average social media posts reach about 500,000 people Uh, And he has about close to 400,000 loyal followers on the Good Things Guy Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, and all of his social media channels. So do make sure you follow along with his stuff and enjoy this conversation that we had about life, about family, and about how to stay positive in a world that sometimes wants us to focus on the negative. Okay, hi Brent, and welcome to the Investigating Ikiga podcast. Oh, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really keen to have this chat. Thank you, and I know you you are an extremely uh, busy man. You got back yesterday from a, a trip to, to Israel. Uh, so yeah, uh, I do thank you for, for making time to, to join me. Thank you, and thank you. It's, it's great to be here. So Brent, you are known to many people in the pu- public sphere as the, the good things guy. Um, and I'm, I must say, just from my side, I'm having a, a little bit of a fangirl moment here because <laughs> I've been following you personally on your, your channels for a while. And, you know, sometimes just seeing your, your positive posts that you, you get to daily, um, just it's the motivation that I need personally to start the day on a a good note and I I know many people feel the same way who follow you so maybe if we can just start there um, can you tell us a little bit about your role as the good things guy Uh, how did it start off um, for those who aren't familiar with you you know what what is it all about yeah what a story so um, it was about eight years ago there was something happening internationally uh, started down in Australia, and it was called Neck Nominations. Um, <laughs> what it stood for, Neck Nominations, was this, this, what, what they believed, or what uh, really clever people believed to be one of the first real trends on social media that used social media as a catalyst for it to grow. Mm-hmm. So, started down in Australia. The idea was to drink as much as you possibly could, alcohol, <laughs> do something stupid um, in the video that you were making, and then nominate some of your friends, it was like two or three friends to outdo what you'd done. 
there were millions of videos that were being uploaded from all around the world. And it was sweeping the globe quite quickly. Um, everybody was catching on, or many people were catching on around the world to this really silly game. I was watching it from here in South Africa, and I still remember thinking at the time two things. One, we need to be more responsible with what we share online. I'd like to say now <laughs> that if you wouldn't put it on the front page of a newspaper, you shouldn't be putting it on your social media. And that's true, right? The second was was really, you know, why aren't people using their social media to inspire kindness, to to do something good, um, you know, just just to, to be lacquer? Because social media can sometimes be a very toxic place. We know this as well. Mm. So those two thoughts were sort of going on in my head. And, and then a friend uh, nominated me. They did their little neck nomination, their silly little thing. They nominated me. And I, I sat with that idea for a couple of minutes and I just thought, man, I'm going to try to change this game. And I'm not going to try to change it for the world. I just want to change it for my group of friends. So, uh, so I, head, I headed down to the local fruit and veg city. I picked up an extra sandwich, a chocolate and a Coke uh, with the intention to give it to the next person in need. And, and it's not very difficult in South Africa. You find someone on every corner mm. um, that, that is in need. And uh, I threw my phone at my work colleague. I, I said to her, Nikki, capture this. Uh, I don't know where this is going to go. Let's just, <laughs> let's just do it. Um, so she did. And, and I, I went back to the office and I uploaded the first YouTube video that I'd ever put up. And, and yeah, that, that YouTube video went viral. Um, it really did change the game the, the mm. very next day. So that happened on a Friday. The very next day, the Saturday, there were people from around the world that had started to do, uh, instead of a neck nomination, they did what became known as a rack nomination. So a random act of kindness. Oh, nice. um, and, and, you know, my life changed. All of a sudden, uh, CNN, BBC, Sky News, all these big international uh, news sites wanted to, to speak to me to find out what inspired me to change the game? Did I think that it would get that big? All of those questions that were mm. sort of they, they wanted to ask. And, and yeah, that, that is really when my life changed. Mm. At that point, I like to say it was the first time in my whole entire existence where I started realizing that there were good things happening all around us. And I'll tell you why. When this was all happening, my social media started to grow. So all of a sudden, uh, I started getting a couple of more followers on Facebook and on Twitter, and my name was in newspapers. I landed up on carte blanche. I think I was the first good news story to ever be on carte blanche. <laughs> um, no, that's not true. Um, they, they do a lot of good work. I love them. Um, so, so people were starting to get to know me. And because of that, some people were starting to get to know me. And because of that, uh, charities, NGOs, the CSR departments within um, companies they were trying to get hold of me so that uh, they could tell me their story mm. about the good work that they were doing because the, it, the link was just sort of made, right? Mm. And that's when, when I realized that there's so much good happening in South Africa. Like there's yeah. so many people doing the most incredible things. So I, I did what any sort of young, inexperienced uh, person getting into media would do. And uh, I stalked Gareth Cliff. <laughs> I didn't really. Gareth had interviewed me on 5FM and he just started Cliff Central. And, and I, I sort of approached him. I got hold of his email address. I sent him an email going, I want to tell these good news stories on, on Cliff Central, on, mm. on a podcast. And I met with him and Rena, the station manager, absolute mensch, both of them, good humans. Um, and they gave me a job and they, they let me start working at, at Cliff Central on a podcast there. Sure. And that's really where Good Things Guy was born. I, I was telling these stories on air. 
Um, I was interviewing all these incredible South Africans and I wanted a space for these stories to live. Mm. So, so about a year later, it was the 1st of August, 2015. Um, I, I launched goodthingsguy.com, a website with the aim to tell just one good news story to South Africa and the world every day. And, and seven years later, and that, that, little, that little website uh, has, has grown to what is now one of South Africa's top good news websites. On a really good day, we can publish anywhere between 10 and 15, one five good news stories. Mm. And, um, and the, the followership has just grown of people that tap in and come and read the good news on a daily basis. Yeah, it's incredible to, to hear how it all started and the journey it's taken to, to get where it is now. And you said that you mentioned at the beginning that so many people approached you, you know, when, when the posts blew up and, and went viral and that. Um, so have you gotten used to it at the moment? Uh, are you at a place where the, the followers and the, the comments and the response is, is normal for you? Or is it still something that feels surreal? It's absolutely surreal. And I'm so incredibly thankful every day for this opportunity that I've been given to, you know, do what I absolutely love. Um, I, I won't say that I've gotten used to it, but I don't cry as much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I used to, like, I still remember those first couple of weeks when I was getting messages from people just, just thanking me or messages of people telling me their absolutely tragic stories, mm. how I would just sit and I don't want to say weep. I sat and cried, like mm. ugly cried. And, and I wish I, I should actually start an Excel spreadsheet that keeps count of the, the amounts of times I cry because mm. it's a lot. It's still a lot. <laughs> There's a lot that, that really does um, shake me mm. and, and really move me. And, and people, you know, I, I get messages all day, every day. There's comments all day, every day. There's stories that get shared. Mm. The most incredible stories uh, that, that really do move me. And no is the answer. You never get used to it. Okay. And, and what do you think it is that um, attracts people to, you know, this, this good news in the midst of a world with, with so much bad news? The comment you made about um, offhand, tongue-in-cheek almost, about carte blanche, their first good news story. But there's a bit of a deeper truth in there that, you know, the, the news that seems to sell, especially on, on TV and, and radio and that, is, is bad news. It's, it's the negative things that are happening in the world. So do you think that this counter cultural focus on providing the good news that is in the world. I remember during lockdown, I don't know if you ever saw um, John Krasinski had a also like a good news thing going once a week. Um, and it, it made me think of the, what you are putting out there. Yeah, what, what is it do you think that is it, are people desperate for this good news in the midst of all the bad or? Yeah, so it's funny, right? Um, in journalism, Good news doesn't sell. That's the reality. Mm. And and with that said, I'm not bashing the news. Um, news, mainstream media, is so important. We have to know what's going on around us. It's it, it's vitally important to know about the politicians, the corruptions, the crime, the, the scary stuff, the real stuff. Mm. We need to know what's happening around us. Otherwise, we won't have um, we won't have an idea of our own realities but there's a but here and i'm not negating everything that i just said mm. i'm adding to it so maybe there's no but there's an and and mm. and you need to have some sort of good news you need a balance because if you don't have a balance 
um, you, you're going to think that the world is a terrible, terrible place. And, and some days it might seem that way when you open up uh, your mainstream media websites, when you look on your social media feeds, when, when your auntie on WhatsApp is <laughs> sending some <laughs> of those stories. It might feel like it's all too much, but you need that balance. You need to understand that there are good things amidst the scariness and there are good things happening. It's vitally important. So, so for me, a couple of years ago, when I started, when the idea was there to share good news stories with South Africa, I didn't understand the value of that or how incredibly important it was. And you speak about John Krasinski, and I couldn't say surname there, and his show that he created um, during the pandemic. The world needed it. The world needed to know that there was hope. The world needed to know that good things were happening mm. because without that, we lose hope and that, that becomes a bigger problem. So it, it is important. And, and the, the, the beautiful thing is um, in 2019, uh, roughly, a lot of mainstream media websi websites started boosting their good news stories. Mm. News24 in 2019 created a whole feel-good section on their website. Mm. Why? because they realize the importance of balance as well. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Hmm. Sure. I love the way you put that, just the balance of it, because I think it might be easy for some folk to, to look at, you know, your page and the good things guy and all the positivity that you are putting out there and presume that, you know, maybe you are ignoring the, the state of the world in certain ways, but the way you just described it there is, is so, um, helpful because it's not that you're ignoring the negative you bringing to light that yes there is negative but there there's there's good as well and that's what you are trying to at least bring to the attention of everyone because a lot of people neglect that a hundred percent so that i mean i know what's i i i in tune i'm in tune with the news uh, I wake up every morning and I catch up to see what's going on in our country. I, I'm that old school guy that on a Sunday, uh, I make myself a cup of coffee. I go sit outside on my patio and I read the Sunday Times. Mm. Like, I know what's going on in the world. I understand <laughs> what's happening around us. I'm, I'm not an ostrich with my head in the sand. Mm. I've just realized, and it must be because of the work that I do, and I'm lucky to be in this position, but I've realized the importance of balance. And for me... I'm a little bit skewed because I, I've got the opposite. So I've got, I, I get to be um, immersed every single day in the best of the best of South Africa. Mm. And, and that's an absolute blessing. Mm. Sure. And it, I think it just shows though that even the, the average Joe can um, make sure they are making themselves aware of both. Because like you said, it's so easy to get lost in a spiral of negativity and that. So yeah, thank you for that reminder. Thank so you. getting into the the crux of what um, this podcast is all about, because it, it's called the Investigating Ikiga podcast. And it's something that I started to really just interview people that in, inspire me and ask them about what it is that motivates them, what it is that gets them up in the morning. So this concept of Ikigai is a, a Japanese um, phrase or term for that thing that is deep inside a person that motivates them to do what they do. So this podcast is all about chatting to people about their life's purpose at a particular time, because obviously we, we know that our life's purpose can change uh, throughout our lives as we 
get new information and do different things. But to bring it to you as as the good things guy, Brent, uh, what if you could describe what would you say is is your life's purpose or, or what motivates you to get up every morning and do what you do? So I, my purpose, I, I found my purpose or maybe my purpose found me, but it is this telling of, of good news. Hmm. It's, uh, it's of bringing hope to people that sometimes feel hopeless. It's, it's about making people realize that, that even though we have this narrative in our country that has been uh, you know, ingrained into our minds that we have to have a plan B and, and make sure that we can get out as, as quickly as possible for whatever reason mm-hmm. it's been drummed into our heads for years. I, I believe my purpose is to, to be the other side of that, mm-hmm. to, to help people be proudly South African, um, to help people get through the day. And, and you know, I, I love my job. I, I think I've got the best job in the world. I get to read, research, interview, and then bring these stories to other South Africans. I'm, I'm the happiest guy in the world because of that. Mm. And, and so my purpose gets me out of bed in the morning. Sure. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I think everything you said so far just shows how how you you live into that purpose and my next question was going to be about actually as south africans ourselves um many would would probably argue that south africa is one of the the most frustrating places to live at times with load shedding and corruption and gender-based violence and immense poverty and 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 um and just to to see how you um not only stay positive because it's not only a state of mind i don't think but you fill yourself with the good news and and the good in the world and in the midst of all the bad that people like to focus on there is so much good happening in in the world and specifically in south africa at the moment um so how would you encourage the average person so you said you're lucky enough to have this as your job and as your life uh, you are immersed in these good news stories all the time. How would you encourage someone listening in, maybe the the average listener, to um, make sure there is a balance in their lives? So, so I must just say that living in South Africa is incredibly tough. We have a really complex uh, relationship with with our country. Um, the poverty levels are are absolutely harrowing. Um, it's it's really scary when you get into the nitty gritty of it. In 2019, there was a group of researchers who got together and uh, they came up with what they deemed to be uh, the amount that you would need to earn on a monthly basis to live with a level of dignity. Hmm. And I, I, I sort of say the same thing when I do my talks. I ask the audience, what do you believe to be the percentage of South Africans that live with dignity? Okay, so it's only 10%. Oh. Only 10% of our country. 90% live below that, that sort of dignity line. And, and that means that they live in poverty. There's, you know, it's, that's the truth of it. Yeah. Um, so, so it's hard. Poverty, crime, corruption, politicians, uh, uh, load shedding, water shedding. Um, I hear soon we might get fuel shedding. Like, there's a lot <laughs> going on in our country that can make it incredibly tough. It's a, mm. That's why I said it's a complex relationship. Um, but I love South Africa. Mm. You ask me what we can do to change our mindset. I think 
I think the best advice I can give anybody, and it's something that I learned, I read it somewhere and I've adopted it. When I wake up in the morning, even though I live in this beautiful, complex country, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I think about the things that I get to do that day. So that I, I use that word very specifically there. Generally, as human beings, we talk about things that we have to do. I have to take the kids to school. I have to go to work. Oh, I have to go to gym. <laughs> I have to pack lunch, whatever that is. When we take what we have to do and we turn it into what we turn it into what we get to do, we then start living in a space of gratitude. We then start to look at every moment everything that we get to do as another opportunity we get to look at our days and all of a sudden our days become things that we can be thankful for think about this if you didn't have a job if god forbid you lost a child whatever those things are imagine then that feeling of not getting to get, get to do that anymore so i wake up every morning and i think about the things that i get to do that day and I take stock, and I'm so incredibly thankful for them. And every moment in my life then becomes a joyous one. It becomes one that I'm incredibly thankful for. And that makes living in South Africa, even though it's a complex place, and even though I have the best job in the world that I'm immersed in this good news, so I've got the other side of it, mm. it just makes living here really beautiful. Mm. Sure. That's so powerful. I love the way you put that, the get to. It's, it's just a like a simple mind shift if you think about it, but it changes your complete outlook on the way you do things. Thank you for sharing um, that. Joe, to tell you, like my father, I think of him often. I lost my father 12 years ago. Mm. Um, he passed away to, to malaria. It was tragic. He was here the one day and gone the next. Mm. And if I could have a day where I get to spend with my dad again, Sure. Like that would be incredible, right? Mm. And and when you start to realize what you have right now, if you can be thankful for it, mm. it might not be here tomorrow. Sure. That is that is powerful. And on that, so you, you mentioned a little while ago that it was kind of, did you say, what year did you start with the, the Good Things guy, the neck nomination was? The neck nomination was 2014, 2014, and then I started on Cliff Central in 2014, and then um, I started the following year, 1st of August, is when the website went live, 2015. Okay, so I'm, I'm just wondering, have you always been quite a, a positive guy um, with a positive outlook on life? On life, Was there a point in your life when, when this all started? Um, and maybe more specifically, so the one thing I've noticed when talking to people about their life's purpose is a lot of people actually came to understand their purpose or their thing that motivates them after experiencing quite a hectic um, suffering or, or loss. So yeah, I don't know if I can throw that question to you. Was there anything in your life that that happened um, that perhaps influenced your your the thing that motivates you? Um, yeah, so I've always been a happy guy. I've always been a pretty happy guy. I, I had a great upbringing, fantastic parents, um, really cool peers around me. Yeah, maybe in primary school, there was a bit of bullying. That wasn't mm. a great time. Um, but when I got to high school, I found myself, I found a group of really amazing friends, um, incredible teachers. Uh, I, I just, I was, a, I was a happy, happy young South African. Mm. 
And and I think that lends itself to almost having a different lens on the world. When when you come from a place of happiness, you know, everything around you is a little bit happier mm. as well. So I think I think I don't know if I found my purpose early, but I've I've always been a happy kid, so we can start there. If we speak about a trauma or or or, or something that may have been a catalyst for me to moving into my purpose. I don't know so much if there was a defining point. Yes, but losing my father was the biggest heartbreak of my life. I lost I lost the love of my life. Mm. Like my dad, he's your dad. Uh, you know, people who have lost a parent can can definitely relate. Um it's he, he was just such a lacquer guy. Mm. And and everybody loved him. And and at his funeral the funeral, there were people just upon people and more people. And the church was completely full. And, you know, he was a very, very liked man. And um, and I loved him. And and that for me was a, a huge loss in my life. But good things, God, didn't come until a couple of years later. Hmm. Um, so, so maybe the answer here is that it, I, I believe it was always destined to be because I am living my purpose and I do feel that way. I, I do, however, feel that there wasn't a, a defining point. It was a gift that was given to me. Mm. That's the way I see it. Sure. Um, the whole, when, when Nick nominations happened, that thought process, me um, putting that video up, that, that wasn't planned. Mm. That wasn't, you know what I mean? It, it sort of, it, it was a gift. Mm. It was something that was given to me. And I've just taken it with both hands, been very grateful for it, and I continue to work on it every single day. Sure. It's such an interesting way of looking at it because I think many people do spend their life trying to seek out their, their purpose and then almost equipping themselves to fulfill that purpose. And it does happen for some people like that. But I think more often than not, um, you know, we are being equipped as we grow up and like you said, you've always been a positive person and it kind of fell into your lap that your your gifts and who you are as a person ended up um, becoming your, your life's purpose or a part of your, your life's purpose. So it's, it's interesting to think of it that way around. What do, what do they say? I, I need to get the right quote here. But um, luck, happy, luck happens when opportunity meets preparation. Mm. Sure. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. For sure. That's a good summary. Brent, maybe to jump a little bit more um, into where you are now and um, maybe get uh, into a bit more of a personal question, um, if you're comfortable to do so. If I'm not mistaken, you are currently engaged to be married to what seems to be a, a very lovely man named Andrew. And I can imagine that your positivity is quite contagious to everyone who... <laughs> who is around you um is is andrew just as positive as you when it comes to his outlook on life or do you draw positivity oh. from him as much as i'm sure he draws from you no he's he's an absolutely positive guy and he also sees silver linings and the good things i think he's he's more real than me so if if we if we get into a situation and i can hypothetically say uh Let's say we're planning on going on holiday and we can't find accommodation in the place 
that we we want to go to like i want to go to plate that's mm -hmm. where i want to stay in december like my optimism will keep believing that that a place <laughs> will open up and we'll find accommodation whereas he he's still optimistic about going on holiday but he's like mm, maybe we should look at Neisner. Like, yeah. let's look, let's look close to Blitz. You know what I mean? So he's more of a realist, yeah. but he is incredibly happy. He's incredibly positive. Um, he's a, he's a big rock in my life. Hmm. So, so from a, from a, a, a guidance point of view, when I, when I need another opinion, um, I, I lean into him hmm. and he really does. He really does. You know, I love him. He's hmm. a good guy. Oh, that's that's so awesome to you. And like you say that uh, again, it's it's about that balance and feeding off of each other's energy, because I'm sure uh, maybe I'm I'm speaking on your behalf, but uh, I'm guessing you know you also have moments where you you doubt or not doubt, but you you struggle to to be positive uh, and to have that sounding board. I'm sure and that learning to compromise um, it, it helps. So I'll tell you this. Um, I, I like to say that being a happy, positive person, being, being in that space, uh, being optimistic, it takes work. It's not, it's not an easy thing. So I speak about my routine when I wake up in the morning. Um, it's also about your thought process. And I know it's not like that for everybody. There's some people who really, um, battle and need medication. And so, so I'm not speaking, I'm not putting like a blanket over everybody, but, but for me, being happy is akin to hygiene. I need a shower every day to keep clean. I need to do the same thing with my mind. So I try and focus on, on good things and happiness to keep me happy. But that means that some days I don't get it right. And some days when I'm having those days and I'm not in a good space, I have Andrew. Mm -hmm. And Andrew will uh, either take my phone away so i'm not being consumed by social media mm. or he'll go tell me to play playstation he'll be like i'm gonna give you a couple of hours to go play playstation or he'll cook me a great meal mm. or even pour me a glass of wine he'll be like just you know fill your cup so that you can be in the position to help fill other people's cups again so yes he's mm. he's a huge part of um of keeping me sane as well uh, no thank you that's uh, so awesome to you and yeah i, I wish you both a, a lifetime of, of blessing and happiness um yeah in the future thank you for sharing that uh, one last thing that I, I really did want to dig into a little bit with with you if you are, are comfortable and um as we come towards the end of our, our time together you've shared at times on your your journey um in in faith um, and I know you you just went on a, a bit of a pilgrimage to to Israel, although that wasn't maybe the the main purpose of that. But um, one thing I've noticed with people's life purpose is it often falls into their their faith. Um, so it, it's often linked closely, should I say, to the faith that they have. I don't know if you have found that on, at a personal level. Um, if you're happy to maybe share a little bit about your personal faith and how it links into your what motivates you to to do what you do absolutely so when i was younger um oh yes i forgot about this so someone <laughs> asked me the other day i was on a radio interview and someone specifically said something and it triggered this memory and you've done the same thing now mm. so so when i was younger um my parents sent me to to sunday school so I'd, i used to go to sunday school and and sort of hear all these what i like to deem as 
if you follow me on social media, you would have seen in Israel, I spoke about the fact that uh, these fairy tales, as I used to believe them to be, and I'm, I'm not um, putting down the word of God, mm. but but they're almost like these stories that come from another time. Mm. And you kind of like, you, you know that they happened, but you're not quite sure where and and now recently I got to see where these stories were real. So these fairy stories, fairy tales came to life and they're very real to me. But when you're that young, they are stories, right? So mm. we went to Sunday school and heard all the stories and sort of was in that space. And later on, uh, I sort of drifted away from the church. And I guess that was my journey with finding out who I was. Mm. And, and uh, during varsity, I came back to the church. And I like to say the church really did save me. Uh, my faith in God said um, there were very many moments that that I could have lost myself. Um, growing up gay is incredibly tough. Mm. And and when you when you reach that other chapter in your life, when you take what is the mask off, because a lot of LGBT uh, plus youth mm. wear a mask until until they're ready to sort of come out and, and be who they really are. Mm. And I wore that mask for a long time. And when I took that mask off, it was quite difficult for me. Um, but God called me back and I went back to the church and I was there spending time with him and, and, and my faith is very strong and, uh, and I have a really good relationship with God. I speak to Jesus often. Um, we speak about a lot of things yeah. and is my purpose the, well, the question was, is my purpose aligned with my faith? 100,000% yes. <laughs> every time, every time I get up onto a stage to to deliver keynotes mm. and and i need to sort of talk about the good news in south africa and and in the world um the the last person i speak to before i go on ch to church is god mm. and and i just I, I sort of say let me serve that's why i'm here mm. i'm here to to not serve the word of god good news is the word of god mm. but i'm here to to assist other people and so yes i think i think my faith is very much aligned with um, with my purpose, and and so much so that that Israel was calling me, so the holy city to go to Jerusalem, to go to Bethlehem, that was a, a trip I'd, I'd I'd never planned on going, but in the last six months it all came together, and and I didn't lift a hand to make it happen. It happened for me. That's so awesome. And yeah, I wish we, we had more time to talk a little bit about that trip, but I'll be following closely on your social media cha uh, channels to to hear more about um, your Joe, experience. Joe, Joe, I need, yeah. I need to just add in yeah, this, the, 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 the memory that you triggered. Yes, yes. So when I was, I forgot to tell you this. So in, in primary school, there was a teacher. Her name was, she might be married now, her name was Mrs. Sloan. Hmm. And Mrs. Sloan created she was a, a very religious and her purpose uh went beyond teaching mm. it was to help um kids that were in orphanages kids that were perhaps perhaps in informal settlements her purpose was to de deliver hope to those kids and she started a group that i joined this was the memory that you triggered mm. i i started uh, joining the group it was called kids with a mission and we used to practice and it was drama and singing and like a whole show that we put on as kids. Mm. And we would go to orphanages, informal settlements, um, care homes. We also went to the elderly and we would do these performances and then deliver donations and then spend time 
with the people that we were there with. So to the grannies and grandpas, we'd go hang out with them for the afternoon, eat cake. Uh, with the kids, we would go play. We'd be kids. Mm. And I think she was a catalyst to where I am now. Sure. She was something that happened when I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old, going to these places and performing. That that was that was the match that mm. was lit all those years ago, mm. and and today I, that match is a raging fire. Mm. Uh, what a beautiful story! Um, thank you for thank you for sharing that, and thank you for for being vulnerable with with your story. Um, and it, it really is a powerful story, and to see how you know, the many experiences in in faith, in life, in um, just in general that has has brought you to to the place that you are now it's, it's really encouraging to to you so yeah thanks for being vulnerable um so you as the the good things guy um we, we've spoken a bit about that and the the work that you do there I'm, I'm pretty sure and i can imagine that it's opened up a lot of doors for you to to meet some some pretty cool people and do some pretty cool things and you've mentioned some of them already but i just wanted to give you an opportunity to mention if there are any exciting projects that you are currently involved in or that are coming up that uh, you'd like to to mention so i can't actually say anything okay <laughs> but but i'll i'll give you i'll give you a sneak peek um here's here's the way it works right when you put things out into the universe they tend to come true mm. so so be very be very mindful of your thoughts and your words and your actions. Mm. Uh, Pre-pandemic, my my the, the idea on my vision board was to speak to to speak to people who who couldn't afford data or cell phones or, mm. or couldn't afford to get to the website. And that was really a big goal of mine. And and when the pandemic hit, um, there was this this app. That, that sort of surfaced out of nowhere. I think it's called Moya. Okay. And the, the whole app is completely data-free. It's available mm. on Android. It's got millions of users in South Africa, mostly in, in informal settlements. Um, but it's free. So they, if, you, if you log onto the app, they've got a bit of news there. I think you can hit some social media stuff. Mm. And the way that they pay through it is, is it's got some sort of advertising model. So the company does make money, but the end user is getting this free experience. Mm. And they approached me to have good things on that app. Sure. And, and so they, they tick the box. Yeah. I'm speaking to people who need hope the most. Now, recently, I put out into the universe that, that I, wanted, I wanted to be on billboards. Not me. I wanted the news, the good news. Mm. To be on billboards, to be in, in places that people are moving. And, uh, and it looks like that's, that's going to happen. So... Sure. So soon, good things, guys. Soon to be all over South Africa, wherever you look. Awesome! That's, that's so exciting and amazing. How you said that was something that hopefully, you wanted. Hopefully, hopefully, holding hopefully. thumbs. <laughs> Listening to the podcast, hold thumbs for me. We will be putting all good vibes out there for you too, and hopefully, oh, we can keep everyone updated with that. Um, but that's very exciting. There's one more question that I ask everyone who who comes to chat with me me on the podcast. Just a quick one. Um, and I, I love to ask people, what is one thing that gives you joy in this moment? What is one thing that gives giving you joy? And what is one thing that is giving you hope for the future? 
So I know you said one or two things that you're excited about, but yeah, what is one thing that gives you joy right in this moment? And what is one thing that gives you hope for the future? My dogs give me so much joy. I've got three Cavalier King Charles. When I was away in the Middle East for the last week, I thought about them every single day. I'm a dog person. Mm. I like taking them for walks. I like throwing balls for them. Uh, they bring me so much joy and happiness. They really do. Oh. What gives me hope? Um, really, the future leaders of tomorrow. Mm. Uh, I get to speak at a lot of schools. I get to deal um, with a lot of the younger generation that are, that are sort of going to move South Africa forward. And they give me so much hope because they've got hope not only in our country, um, but in South Africans as well. So there we go. Hope and joy. Perfect thing. I'm surprised you didn't mention the thing giving you joy is paddle ball. It seems like. <laughs> <laughs> no, pa paddle, paddle ball is uh, both my joy and the bane of my existence <laughs> because it's all I want to do all the time. And my friends, they keep roping me in. I'm at paddle every second or third day. <laughs> It's amazing how the, uh, that craze has has taken off here in South Africa. Um, but yeah, no yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah. Brent, uh, so much for your time again. It, it has been such a pleasure and such an honor to speak to you. And you've inspired me. And I have no doubt that anyone who, who decides to, to listen in is going to be super inspired as well. Oh, Joe, thank you for having me. It's been absolutely incredible. I hope that uh, you have the most incredible day and the best week ahead. And what an honor to sit and, and chat to you. Thank you so much. I'll leave links to all of your, your pages and where people can find you and contact you if they would like to, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. Yes. Thank Great. you. Great. Thanks so much, Brent. And uh, love to the family and to the dogs. And uh, I hope you get on top of that paddle ball soon as well. <laughs> Over and out.